0: Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Hi, my name is Danny Keller. I'm
1: the Chief Executive Officer of African Gold Group. We're a TSXV listed developer and explorer based in Southern Mali. We've just released our latest definitive feasibility study showing significantly better results than the prior definitive feasibility study. And I'm very excited to be here today to talk through some of the
0: numbers and some of the, the upside that we have in the company. Danny, good to have you back. Uh, we had you on back in uh, June, I think it was. Um, look, I just wanted to catch up. Obviously, the DFS has come out, which, which is fantastic. Uh, and I would say your share chart looks like most precious metal companies at the moment. But the other thing you can't get away from is the fact that this company is just not getting the love that you believe it deserves. At 22 million market cap. Given what the DFS tells us, it must be infuriating or frustrating at the very least.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, you can probably see my hair has probably reduced a bit since the last chat, but uh, it is frustrating. And I think we've, you know, we, we're we looking at, at some of the reasons behind that. Um, clearly, th- th- we're in Mali and I think that a lot of people attach negative sentiment to Mali. But, why? but t- t-
0: Tell me about that. We've had a few Mali companies on here. We, we've had Rosscat, uh, or was that, you know, a few, a few names on here. They seem to be doing just great. I mean, so do, do you think that's uh, fair to give you a Mali discount?
1: I don't think it's fair. I think Mali, fourth biggest producer in Africa of Gold, um, very stable mining environment, good uh, mining code, uh, no negative news coming out from like in other countries where, you know, mining tenements are being taken away or taxes being withheld. It's a really, really good country to do business in. And I think when you start to hear the negative sentiment, it, it tends to be about terrorist activity. You know, to put that into perspective, these things are happening 800, 900 miles away from any of the mining companies. And not one mining company has been affected by this in in the last 20, 30 years. So I think it's it's sentiment that's that's, that's not justified, but unfortunately, we, we're tackling these questions every single time we, we get on a call. Um, I like Mali. I think Mali, like the rest of West Africa, is a great place to do business. I've worked in some very challenging jurisdictions, and Mali is not one of them. But tell
0: me, tell me where, where are you? I mean, you're anywhere near any kind of infrastructure that you can benefit from?
1: Yeah, look, we, we're, we're just up the road from Hummingbird Resources, which is a producer. Um, Hummingbird have done a great job in increasing their resources and reserves over the last few years. So they've got a very nice, sustainable hundred thousand plus ounces operation for the next few years. They're producing good cash. They've put a lot of money into their other exploration assets as well. B2 Gold is not that far away. Um, we've got Cora Gold next door to us, and you've seen some good results coming out of of them in terms of their drilling and resource upgrades. Um, and you've obviously seen things like the financing in some of the the, the bigger projects as well. So you know, I think I think that there are plenty of the majors operating there. I am Gold, Anglo Gold Ashanti, B two Gold, Barrick. Um, they wouldn't be there if it was a difficult place to do
0: business. So, I mean, tell us, and this touched touch upon a little bit upon your DFS. But are costs getting prohibitive? I mean, ASICs are going to be affected by inflation, the cost of transportation, getting stuff in there, materials, even people. Is that a big concern?
1: Yeah, I think. It's not a it's not a concern in the sense that the asics are still significantly lower than the current gold price. Um, I think you're going to see this year asics is between 900 and 1100 dollars an ounce as a pretty standard uh, number that you're going to see in most of the operating mines in this region. But that being said, at 1750 gold is 650, not a bad free cash flow margin in terms of dollars per ounce. I think it's great. Um, we will be producing upwards of 40 50 million in free cash of capital expenditure and taxes and royalties so you know i think i think people pop on about the gold price but the gold price is is generating significant cash flows in pretty much every west african gold producer
0: right now and are you still thinking of i think you mentioned it last time you think about in terms of the power solution some sort of hybrid solution is that still part of the mix
1: yeah i mean we we've we've had a good look at whether we can tap into the the grid um it's challenging in mali there's not a lot of uh, additional spare power there, and therefore most people go for this full carbon thermal generator type plant. Um, we need 20 megawatts for this for this new DFS, and um, we don't believe that the best way to do that is is solely on heavy fuel oil and, and diesel for for a number of reasons. So we've gone for this hybrid solar battery diesel plant, which ultimately will save us about 43% of our fuel costs every year for generating power. We'll produce power for probably 20 cents a kilowatt hour versus maybe 30 cents that the straight thermal systems are producing. And on top of that, we've obviously got this big 40% reduction in in carbon emissions and and other noxious gases. So it's a win-win, makes a lot of sense. And the other great thing about it is we're not putting the capital in to build it. We're doing it with an independent power producer. They're providing the capital. We sign a very clean power purchasing agreement like you would normally sign with the government. And uh, they're responsible for delivering us the power at our fingertips when we need it.
0: Okay, so okay, so that'll be interesting to see, you know, how, how you progress with that. I think, you know, people, people talk about being in ESG. I suspect your shareholders are more interested in like how do you get this thing moving? Get, you know, get get some big moments and get the cash flowing, and then I guess ESG will be an easier conversation uh, to have. Look, um, let's talk, let's talk about some of the main numbers around the DFS because the bit that interests me. Right. The bit that I think is a big deal and I don't know if perhaps people have missed it or it's you know not 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 reacted to is the fact that you've now including the sulfites right That's a big yeah. change. So talk through the DFS and let's maybe get into some of the the technicals around um, how you put the numbers together
1: Yeah so so I think that's a really valid point. I, you know I think two years ago when I joined this company we inherited a project that clearly had some potential um, it had some legacy issues and and certainly the study that was out was, was a little bit fuzzy around the edges. Um, We decided that the best thing we could do was really focus on the technical side. I think we've delivered on that. So we had a look at the geological structure. We had a look at all of the drilling that had been done. We incorporated about another 18,000, 19,000 metres of drilling, mainly infill drilling, to just really firm up that geological model. And you've seen a, a subsequent significant increase over the last two years in resource and reserve. Reserve has been probably the biggest increase. So from 2018 until now, we've increased the reserve at 148%. That's now at 1.25 million ounces. So we tick the box on the more than a million ounce number. It was a criticism, I guess, a year ago that we were a 755,000 ounce reserve. We're now 1.25. What does that mean in numbers? It means we can generate 100,000 ounces a year for 10 years. Um, And obviously, then it tails off a little bit. But then we have this massive exploration upside on the property that will ultimately will fill that gap in at the back end from years 11 to 16 onwards. So I think resources reserves were key. Um, The sulfides were absolutely key. You know, Most geology tells you that the oxides are sitting on top, the sulfides sit underneath. We had a little bit of criticism last year that we hadn't touched the sulfides. It was intentional. We really were focusing on just getting the oxides into a, a really good study. We always intended to go back and treat the sulfides. Um, the test work that we did on the sulfides was very comprehensive. Um, the, the things you look for there are, are the, is it free milling? How do you have to process this thing? Is it through flotation? Is it through biox? Fortunately for us, it was straight through a, a gravity plus CIL process. And that means that the, 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 we can use exactly the same plant for the sulfides as the oxides. And I think what this study is delivering now is is a flexible process plant. You can throw solely oxides, solely sulfides, a mix of both, anything you find on that property. This process plant can handle. So now we're really gearing ourselves up for every single ounce of gold that we find in the future, over and above the one point two five million ounces, can go through this plant as well. And I think that's what's really exciting about this study.
0: So, but, but so coming coming back to the, the actual cu- the cost and you know how. I know you're going to sort of optimize it over time, but so you're walking in day one with what? Just remind remind me the number, the ASIC number, for instance, the Capex number. Just just okay.
1: So the Capex is about 165 million. Um, That gives you uh, a fully fledged 3 million tons per annum gravity plus CIL process plant, all of the associated infrastructure, all of the owners' costs, contingency in there as well. Um, It's still a very good number for the size of plant. Um, it's about $19 million higher than the previous study, and that's predominantly on additional steel price increases, but it's also on a slightly larger tailings dam as a kickoff. Um, but ultimately, it's still very comparable to anything that you've seen in West Africa over the last few years in terms of CAPEX. ASEC is coming in at about $970. Um, that is, is probably in that 900 to 1100 range I mentioned earlier on. Um, I think you're going to see most of the miners coming in at that now. If you're under that, you, you're doing a great job. Um, and again, it's giving us this ultimately you know, seven $800 an ounce free cash flow number that, that that is still going to give us some really sizable, good free cash flows throughout the life of the mine.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you talk about that number in relation to what you've valued at today, which is uh, just 22, 24 million depending on the day of the week. Um, it, it, it does seem ludicrous, but if I look at your background, what you told me about yourself and your, your track record, it might be worth actually reminding people now: is why on earth would you come into a project this small? But when you mentioned that kind of free cash flow with a three-year payback, it, it kind of makes sense. But you've got a lot to prove still. You really do. Yeah.
1: yeah, look at it. I I think we had this discussion first up. You know, why on earth do you leave a company like Glencore, major corporate building, billion dollar projects, and you come into something like this that needs all the TLC that you have to do in a junior company to to A get it recognized, B get it technically advanced. And you know, unfortunately I I I do things in the big company way because I make sure that the technical side is defendable first. We're not pump and dump. We don't get out there and use newsletter writers to try and get the stock up quickly and, and sell it. I've, in, I've basically invested in every single capital raise that we've done. So I'm, I'm, I'm an owner of this stock as well. I'm very, very, very confident on it. Um, but I do believe now that we've turned the corner in terms of being able to defend that technical side exceptionally well. And that's, that's really what's been key for me. It's been a little bit slower than I guess some of our investors would hope for. But now I'm very confident to sit here and say you can throw anything at this process plant; it will turn it into gold at 95% recovery, at free cash flows of six, seven, seven fifty dollars an ounce for ad infinitum. But but give that to up me,
0: Danny, get to, to, yes. So it's all you know, like saying it. Showing it two different things, so you know, show it, prove it. So when you when we talk about in- integrity of doing things right technically and you know, every big company mentality and not being pumped and dump, what's that actually mean? Why why are you so certain that this plant can deal with anything thrown at it? Why is it going to throw a hundred thousand ounces a year?
1: Well, firstly, the company that we've used to do the study, Senet, has, has built probably twelve or thirteen of these plants. They've actually just finished a plant across the border in Guinea, about fifty kilometers away it's almost a carbon copy of this plant. So we, we are 100% confident that the design of this plant will do what it says on the, on the label. That, that involved, as well, sorry, that as well as the fact that I've built $2.5 billion of projects with Senate over the last 15 years, and I, I trust them implicitly in terms of putting their capital numbers together and upon their ability to deliver on time and on budget. So I've never delivered a plant late. I've never delivered it over budget with Senate. And that's why I'm, I'm very confident that these numbers are accurate, both in terms of CapEx and OPEX. And we have a great team of Senate on board helping us all the way through this.
0: Okay, so there's, that's the plant on budget, on time one. How do you know it's going to do what you want it to, because that's where the money gets created. So far, you just spent money. Why is it going to create and throw off so much free cash flow for you?
1: Well, I mean, the test work that we've done over the last 2-years has been phenomenal. The, the oxide test work alone for the DFS last year was more test work than I've ever done for any Copper, Cobalt or Gold plant in the past. Why? Was it difficult? And, no, it wasn't difficult. But I think what happened was we inherited a lot of information where they went down the wrong path. And When you question that, you have to go back and start right again from base principles, which includes drilling those metallurgical holes again, getting the samples. The biggest thing about any of these ore bodies is is variability. You have to make sure that your test work encompasses anything that you're going to find along that strike. And that's what we did. So we went to, I think, four different ore zone domains, which had slightly different geological structures. We made sure that we took enough sample from there we tested it every which way you could and we made sure that when we say we're going to get 95% plus recovery, we physically have done that on test work with every single ore domain you can throw at it. And that's why I can sit here today saying that we're not going to suddenly come up in three years' time and say, oh, you know, we didn't realize that we couldn't treat the laterites or we didn't realize that the sulfides were as hard as, as we're finding them now. We really have tested everything. And that's why it's taken a little bit of time and money but it's definitely worth it because once you've done it, you don't have to do it again. What you're finding with a lot of junior miners is they rush from a PFS straight into production, get 50% recovery instead of 90%, don't know why they're only getting half a gram a ton instead of one gram a ton into their process plant. And then they realize that they didn't do enough st- enough technical um, analysis on the metallurgy before they did it. And, and luckily, my background says you do that first because you're spending a lot of money that investors are giving you here to make sure that you deliver on what you said you're going to deliver. So I'm, I'm very confident on that.
0: Okay. I guess timing could have been better. Uh, COVID hasn't helped. Market for precious metal coming off of the last 12 months has, hasn't helped, but you're doing things the right way, you believe. Yeah? Correct. So 10 plus years at 100,000 ounces. You feel very confident from the work that you've done, yeah, I feel
1: very confident and i feel very confident that there is actually much more upside than this as well.
0: remind me of that cash flow free cash flow number
1: uh it's about six hundred to seven hundred dollars an ounce after capital expenditure and taxes. okay, so you're talking in in the region of fifty to sixty five million dollars a year in free cash, and I think that's another how, how quickly
0: how quickly. What's the ramp? Uh,
1: well the beautiful thing about gold is that you you from zero to two months you're running at full production. So we start we start halfway through the first year, we'll produce fifty something thousand ounces in the in the first six months and then a hundred to hundred and ten all the way through for the next few years, and you hit those free cash flow numbers quick.
0: Where do you get the money from to build it? It's 165 million market cap I say CapEx, 22 say 25 million market cap. If you came trotting into my bank, I'd I'd have been like, Nah, that's that's too much. The the delta's too too big. I mean, how, how do you? Who do you go to? What kind of money do you need to look at? Because you're gonna have to get cute there, aren't you? Yeah,
1: I, I, look, I, I think you're 100 percent right, and 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 because of COVID and because of a little bit of negative sentiment to gold and 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 precious metals, the money that was probably there two three years ago is not there now. It's well, different, that- I would say. Yeah, different. I think so. And, and look, I mean, there's also a little bit of responsibility that we have as well to not go for, for money at any cost, because ultimately you have to give the shareholder the return that they expect. But interestingly, what we have seen is we have seen over the last 18 months, because we've been talking to institutions quite regularly over that 18 months, um, you've seen that the, the big banks are starting to come back and get interested in projects again. So we've had very fruitful discussions with two or three African banks. Um, they're not the cheapest of the big banks, but they're certainly not as expensive as mezzanine debt. Um, and we've had some really good discussions post the delivery of these results, where where people that were a little bit on the fence of not really wanting to talk to us at 775,000 ounces of reserves are now starting to get very interested at 1.25. So I think over the next two to three months, we're going to have some good discussions and pick up on some discussions that we were having post the DFS last year. Um, I think we'll. Hopefully, look to get one of those um, as a cornerstone, and you know the discussions that we've had are certainly very interesting. To the extent that we've got people in the data room and and they're having a good look at that, clearly there's a a sort of a, a mezzanine or, or hybrid debt sort of entity to this as well. I don't think we'll get the full amount of debt from from one provider, um, and that's fine. And whether that is a is 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 normal debt, whether it's um, some sort of royalty or stream that's yet to be, be seen. But I think that you know, if you had to look at 160, probably 110 of this will be debt, and probably 50 to 60 will be um, equity. Um and I think that once we get one announcement on, on a cornerstone debt provider, I think you'll see a bit of a snowball effect. And we've seen that with Ozone, we've seen it with a number of these companies that really have you know have been in our position a year ago. And you know, pounding the streets and really trying to sort of sell their story, uh, and all of a sudden you get a bit of a snowball effect where you get the first bit of secured debt, um, and then a lot follows quite quickly, and that's what I'm hoping will
0: happen. Yeah, it, yeah, we spoke to Warzone about how how they managed to do it with, with with local money. It, it's it's a really interesting challenge for you, you know, because the the, the delta is, is is vast, but it, it kind of doesn't matter if you get expensive money up front because you can refinance it out relatively quickly as you hit certain milestones one suspects it depends what the securitization component is um you, you mentioned some people are in the data room still because there's a few things some people have asked about which is um you've you know have you engaged advisors how many investors are actually looking at this and of what? type um, in in terms of um, the the, the money that they could be supplying? And are there any strategics in there having a look at this? Because I think the fear is that you end up giving this away cheap to a strategic versus actually doing what your background says is, I can get this thing going.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, let's take an example. You've got someone like West African Resources who took the time to raise the money in the right way and built their own mine. They didn't, at, at the time when they were very cheap, they didn't give the company away to anybody else. Um, I, I think a strategic equity stake in a company is always quite good um, because they grow with you on that. And there's always a bit of a backstop there for, as the share price grows. Um, but you're 100% right. I mean, the, to, 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 to sell this company, even at a 50, 100% premium to what the share price is now is crazy. Um, you know the net, net asset value of this <laughs> versus the actual market cap is crazy, and I think um most people know that so we do have a few speculators and the people sort of having a look around um we don't we don't turn anybody away. we're always open to discussion, but I think everybody knows that that we would be an absolute bargain um i yeah look it's a it's a difficult one because um you know we've also had a look at other options which is do we just keep drilling? and do we keep adding resource and reserves to this thing? The question then comes is how much is enough? Um, I believe we've got a great project and it needs to be built. Um, I think that over the course of the next six months, we will have um, a good advancement in discussions to be able to raise certainly a a large portion of the cornerstone debt for this. And you're right, it might be a quite expensive um, discount rates, but so what? I mean, I think that it will snowball and, you know, we know that we can build this thing when we get the money to build it. Um, we know that gold is is a good mainstay and, and a and a and a safe haven, and I think it's going to stay up at these levels for a long time to come. Um, and there's not many of us around. There's not many projects ready to build in West Africa right now that that show these sorts of numbers.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's, it's interesting for sure. And just with regards to where you're at today, cash running down. Not well. A lot of people in your PowerPoint, but I suspect not a lot of people actually doing the work. I mean, I, how are you managing that GNA?
1: Yeah, we've we've had a massive reduction. I mean, you know, I think we've discussed this before, but we were uh, effectively a Force Manhattan company in August 2019. We did a we did a fairly sort of good hatchet job of removing all of that. Um, we got rid of any relationships there. We cut back on massive overhead costs. We cut out on office contracts and all the other things that come with a Force Manhattan relationship. And we took about $60,000 a month out of the, the G&A cost. So now we have uh, myself, a part-time CFO, a part-time secretary, a cor- vice president of corporate affairs, and a small team on the ground. Sorry, sorry
0: help, help, me, help me here. Did you, you took out sixty grand a month?
1: Yeah, out, by, of, out of the cost. Yeah. By removing
0: Forbes Manhattan?
1: Yeah, because there were there were consulting agreements, office services agreements. Jeez, um, man, so man. look, we Sorry. took the hit in February, and uh,
0: wow. Okay,
1: you know, I, I think again when we go
0: back. Can I? Can I just say? I one. need to say. Unfortunately, that thing is typical of a Vancouver setup, and investors watching this, and I hope many are. That's the kind of thing you need to be cognizant of. These deals are just, in some cases, terminal because it's lifestyle. Yeah. You've come in and cleaned that out. We talked about it last time. No encumbrances. They do have some shares. A little bit of have they been getting dumping those shares down, causing a bit of pressure in the market? Are you aware of?
1: Yeah, quite possibly they haven't openly said it, but quite likely that is the case. Wow.
0: Okay. Um, well, look, yeah, you've, look, I, you've I done what, you've, you've done everything you need to to clear clear that up, and we did talk yeah. about it at length last time. So I'm I'm sort of cognizant that you, you, you've no debt or encumbrances there other than whatever shares they choose to sell into the market. How many were we talking about at that point back in March?
1: I think at the time they were they owned about six or seven percent of the company. That um, post the raise that we did in March, they didn't they didn't they didn't come into that last yeah. private placement raise. It probably diluted a little bit. Um, I would be surprised now if they own more than 3% combined between Stan and Falls Manhattan. Um they don't they are not interested in participating in any more raises. We're focusing very much on the, the main institutions now to try and get some 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 headway there. Um so I think you're gonna just see this fizzle out, to be honest with you, over the last over the next few months. And 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 frankly, you know, when I came into this company in August. That was one of the things that immediately I just thought we just we got to get away from this. You know, I've I've come from a, a strong corporate governance background where where none of it fitted comfortably with me, and it took up until uh, February March of this year. But we managed to do all of it in one fell swoop, and and now for the last few months we've been absolutely unencumbered, and we've saved substantial sums of money. We're not spending investors' money on ridiculous G&A costs, and and we're focusing it all on. Getting the numbers out through the the drill bit and and in the BFS.
0: Good man. Okay, so part of the question I asked you uh, was, how much have you got left? What what where can you where can you get to with what you've got left? What do you need to do with it? I
1: think I think now we probably we can we can keep ourselves going through the end of the year. Um, That being said, um, it would probably be an idea that between now and the end of the year we 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 probably top up a little bit. not, not for any other reason than I just think that the end of the year, early next, year, early beginning of the year is always a bit rough. Um, people are going away for Christmas and coming back from Christmas. Um, there's plenty more we can do with the money, depending upon what we what we want to do. We can we can put the drills back in the ground. There's prime drilling time now. We've got probably another three hundred thousand ounces sitting there that's easy to drill out. Um, and I think that our, but a lot of our focus now has got to be on. On regrade and um, and and raising the money for this for this project. I so, so
0: three hundred thousand ounces of what inferred, which can come into indicated. Okay, yeah. what what would that cost you?
1: At a guess, probably three to four million Canadian um, okay. to update the resource and and get it into a sort of a additional
0: resources. It's, it's it's that you don't need to do that now is the point with the DFS. You've got yes. the conversation's got to be about furthering that and getting this thing working out I, the funding requirements, right? I agree. Okay. So that's comforting for shareholders to to hear or anyone thinking of getting in here, uh, to hear. Um, so, so, so I, so I guess that that that's it. I mean, I've, I've got a bunch of questions of, uh, that I could ask you here, but you know, for, for me, what I'd want to be hearing about from you is that the, those sorts of conversations where you're getting to. How, so how do you actually, um, uh, Hired anyone to kind of help with this? Were you managing it yourself?
1: No, we so we have we 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 formed a special committee of the board about four months ago. Um, we asked um, Canaccord to come on board. Um, we've been we've had a relationship with Canaccord for probably a little over a year now, um, out of London initially, and now we're seeing a a lot of interest out of Australia and Australian institutions. So we're using more of the Australian Canaccord guys. Um, they're quite busy at the moment in, in setting up meetings like this um, post DFS. Um, we're certainly seeing um, interest and appetite from the Australian investor, which is interesting. Um, they don't seem to be spooked so much with a small drop off in a gold price, or you know something that happens politically. They they seem to understand this part of the, the world, and um, Canaccord have been pretty good in, in putting us in front of, of some of those um, new investors that we haven't really dealt with before. So. We have got advice. Um, I guess as we move more into the fundraise and 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 trying to secure some of this debt and equity, we'll probably formalise that a little bit more um, because they're experts in, in those sorts of things. Um, but so far, the relationship is 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 fairly strong and 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 a good relationship. But but probably you have to formalise it a bit more if we move into the next phase.
0: Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Um, I'll ask the question because it was asked of, of, of us, which is Is there any point during a market like this, a company of your size looking at MA activity? And by that, I mean you finding other projects that you want to raise money to acquire, uh, or at least JV into?
1: Look, look, I think MA is an interesting one right now. I mean, we just a week ago had a massive gold MA transaction with Kirkland Lake being announced. That always has positive spin-offs down the value chain to sort of to the minnows down the bottom. Um, notwithstanding the fact that they all start to sort of um, digest some of their smaller projects and things like that. We've seen it with Endeavor. We've seen it with Semaphro. Um, But that being said, I think I don't think I would be interested okay. in anything that was, was exploration or, or pre-development um, if there was a producing asset that, that looked interesting and, um, we could do something with it and that's not an end of life you know two years left type asset but maybe one that's you know got a little bit to go and and, and interesting it could be um we haven't really been out there we've been inwardly focused on trying to get these numbers together and ultimately right now that's i guess what we're going to focus on um but you know (laughs) you're always on the on, on the lookout for any opportunities these things you know come by you quite often i get a lot of Projects on my desk, but this has solely been my focus now, and just to try and get this into a position where we're very confident that we can put someone in the data room, we can answer any of their technical questions. Um, The financial model can stand up on its own, and people can see the value in the project.
0: Yeah, I I, I wanted to ask because obviously you don't mind a project with a bit of hair on it. It takes a while to sort out, but the value and value eventually comes. But whether now is the timing or not is another matter. I mean, and, and again, talking of timing, the from funding, because that's, that's the kind of long pole in the tent, you don't know how long that's going to take, right? We, we've agreed that it perhaps doesn't even matter what the cost is right now. But from funding, how long is it going to take to build this thing and get into production, whatever, whatever that run rate yep. looks like initially?
1: 19 months, first gold, okay, and by well, 21 months, full production. So it's a okay. you know, the nice thing about gold is it's a fairly straightforward process, there's nothing too complex about it is it's slurries and, and and reagents and providing that you put them in, in the right quantities it, the gold comes out the end in good recovery so 19 months very confident Senate have just built one in about that time as I say just across the border a very similar plant so I'm, I'm confident on those those numbers and and, and, and that's a, a fairly nice aggressive timeline
0: okay beautiful or um, well, Danny? Good update, mate. Uh Appreciate you coming on and sharing that with us. Uh, and stay in touch with regards to the funding component. I think that's what everyone's kind of watching out for. Everything else is a distraction, I suspect. So, uh, yeah, look forward to speaking to you.
1: Yeah, great. And it's behind again. Thanks a
0: lot. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor? Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn.